Hello and welcome to another Mega Bros Podcast. I'm Donnie. And I'm Danny. And Danny, we're back with round two of our video game madness bracket. And uh, after last week's very incredible 15 seed finishing in number one in the 16-bit bracket, Super Metroid, we are, uh, we're back for more here. This time we're going to go with what we call the Weirdly Shaped Bracket. Uh, this is going to cover the N64, the GameCube, and the Wii. And uh, we're also going to conveniently la- leave out games that we didn't like or didn't play. Because, well, this is our podcast. If you don't like it, get your own. Yeah, I think that's pretty much a running theme here. Uh, and at this point, if you're not used to it, then uh, I don't want to tell you. Yeah, it's kind of our catchphrase at this point. So, yeah. um, you know, if you don't like it, then uh, get out. Yeah, but uh, just at least finish listening to this one. Yeah, because this is this is a good one. Uh, we are going to go ahead and, and get into this here. I mean, we so we have we have picked up seventeen of the best games on these three systems, uh, and we're going to start right off for the fourteen seed here. We're going to go with the, the old play-in game, Okami versus Wii Sports. <laughs> this is one hell of a play-in game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I mean, first of all, this is a literal sport. <laughs> <laughs> The only sport that I've ever played, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Okami was one of those games that was really, like, critically acclaimed. Like, people who play games for for a living absolutely love this game. And I, I can't really blame them. I mean, it's super pretty. You know, like, it's 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 pretty cool. Um, but, you know, there's something about making a terrible-looking avatar of yourself to go and play tennis somehow cloning yourself against you know your buddy dan when who is a real dick (laughs) wow it just hits the spot (laughs) well personally i i feel personally attacked on that one uh you should that 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 was a personal attack directed at you having said that much like this power swing oh fuck you (laughs) if you're one of those people too that could get a strike every single time in wii sports that's just i mean that's just shit you know what? No, the worst thing is there's not the people that can get a strike every time. The worst is the people that get a strike every time and don't even get up. Mm. Like it's just like you know what? Come on, we're we're trying to pretend like we're actually exercising here. Yeah. Fuck you. Right? They just sit on their <laughs> sit on their ass and flick the re- re- remote at the right the right angle. <laughs> First of all, how dare you? <laughs> so I'm gonna agree with you on like the the art style and everything about Okami. I think you know, like you said, it's it's critically acclaimed, and I thought uh, pretty good looking game, and and certainly deserves the accolades it gets. I don't know about you. I kind of lean towards Wii Sports in this one, and I know it was a simple game, and it was basically shipped with the Wii. But to be honest, it might have been the most fun I had with my Wii. <laughs> yeah, in terms of like the motion controls, and you know, which was something that Nintendo was obviously trying to you know bring in a whole new direction. Like the Wii really took the cake. I mean, there were a lot of other things like it. The Xbox Connect was the uh, the only one I can really remember off the top of my head. I think did the PlayStation even have one. Or do they just keep doing their thing? I don't think that they ever did. Yeah. Well, the PlayStation sucks anyway. Yeah, fuck them. Yep, fuck them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you talk about Wii Sports. I mean, that's a game that, like, literally anybody can pick up and play. Your whole family can do it. You, you end up with just, like, impromptu tournaments at, you know, at work, at school, at home. You know, when, when you know, you're all drunk in a basement on a weekend, you have, tr- you know, on... on friggin' Bacardi, Dragon Fruit, and Mountain Dew. <laughs> Again, Jack and Dew. oddly specific, but we did it. Yeah, we yeah we certainly did. The old Jack and Dew, yeah. I really can't go wrong with that. Oh, God, it's still good. But you know what, You know what, too? I think another thing Wii Sports did was make the Miis a little bit more popular than they probably ever would have been. Because, <laughs> like, you, I, I don't know. 
I know you had to make one no matter what to play your your games and and you have your own avatar, but like that's what really made them pop. <laughs> like that you had to play as them. Yeah, you like yeah you were using them in a variety of different things. I mean, like I feel like bowling and tennis were the big ones for everyone, but you know, I mean ba- baseball too, kind of, but mostly bowling and tennis. Yeah, they they were all pretty fun to do, and, and I mean you could certainly just play them tr- drunk or sober constantly. Yeah, so I think we're gonna we're gonna have to give this one to Wii Sports. You know, great showing from Okami, but uh, you know we're just we're we're, we're just not artsy types. Yeah, just not their year. All right, let's get down to the let's get down to business here. Mm, that's a big one. The one seed, the probably the number one overall seed in this tournament, if we had to pick one. Um, the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. Those of you who have listened to this podcast before have likely heard us talk about how this is literally the greatest game of all time. Um, because it is. Right, and, and you get to listen to us talk about how great it is for a couple more episodes. And here's the thing, I'm going to actually, because there's absolutely no way that Ocarina of Time versus our 16 seed Donkey Kong Country Returns for the Wii, um, there's no way that's going anyway, but, you know, Ocarina. So what you're going to hear instead during this brief interlude is why we decided to only put two Zelda games on a and B, why neither one of them is Majora's Mask. <laughs> it's it's not because more Majora's Mask is not better than Ocarina of Time. I know Donnie's going to try to make it seem like he wins this one somehow, but there is no winning. Uh, let me put it this way. You rolled over faster than the Atlanta Falcons of the fourth quarter of Super Bowl 51. How dare you? No, no <laughs> one's rolled over faster than them. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, I mean, you know, we, we kind of, we tried to do this where, you know, we're not just picking like, you know, the same games from every franchise because honestly, like we're going to end up with, it's just going to be a Zelda tournament. And I'm not going to say nobody wants that, but we don't want that right now on a different podcast. Maybe we might do a Zelda tournament sometime that, you know what, write that down, put that on the list. Yeah. That that's getting written down. But for today, we picked one from the GameCube, which, you know, is going to be our five seed twilight princess. Uh, we, we thought about putting Wind Waker on there too, but it just wasn't, yeah, I don't know. It's just a little too little too cutesy, and honestly, I did not dig the whole like boating and exploration thing. Just not not the worst thing I've ever seen in the game, but swing and a miss on that one for me. And uh, you know, honestly, Skyward Sword just it just doesn't measure up to the other ones. Like Skyward Sword was the clear like fifth place out of out of those five. Yeah, we and like you mentioned before, we really just didn't want the tournament to be overrun by Zelda titles because it, it very easily could. And for all of you that have listened previously, you know how we feel about them. I think every top 10 video game we've done has found a way to have a Zelda game in there. Even the Sega Genesis game somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I mean, there's no hiding it. Those are our favorite games and, and certainly they deserve, you know, the praise they get, but that's not the point of this tournament. We're trying to, you know, uh, talk about some games that we may be having, and and I think we made the right choice as we always do to limit it to two, and in particular the two that we did pick: Ocarina of Time and Twilight Princess. Yep, just absolute greatness. I mean, but yeah, Ocarina of Time, like we're talking about again, best game of all time. I and you know you could probably argue about it, but Ocarina of Time. I mean, come on, like that. It's one of those things where, like, when, I, when it comes to, like, the best game of all time, you know, we talked about this in our, in our last week, too. Like, you have to be able to walk into a bar. <laughs> okay, first of all, there would have to be a hypothetical bar where there's a bunch <laughs> of nerds hanging out playing video games. There's not so, many of them. No. 
No. So let's say you walk into a basement. <laughs> yep, that's better. There we go. So you'd have to walk into a basement full of a bunch of nerds having a land party. You know, there's Doritos and Mountain Dew everywhere. And, uh, you know, we're just going to reinforce some harmful stereotypes here. They're all true. And say Ocarina of Time's the best game of all time. And the question is, you know, what do people do when you just, when you say that? Do they look at you like, well, of course it is. Why are you even saying that out loud? What are you, fat? You know, or do they look at you like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And Ocarina of Time is one of those ones where everyone just kind of like nods and like, yeah, we know. We know. <laughs> if I could just say one good thing about DKC Returns, because honestly, it never stood a chance as soon as it got put up against Ocarina of Time. But in terms of a Donkey Kong game, I, I think I, I was glad to see Donkey Kong return to the side-scrolling um, that's side-scrolling life because the Donkey Kong Country games of the Super Nintendo were fantastic and just awesome. And Donkey Kong Donkey Kong 64 was fine. It was pretty good. And now it kind of went quiet once, you know, Nintendo and Rare split ways. And I think this is a good return for Donkey Kong. And I, I hope it means that we'll get more in the future. I would like more Donkey Kong games. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, it put up an honorable showing here, but it was done all right. Never stood a chance. Not even a little bit. So, let's get on to the next matchup we got here. We got our 8 versus our 9 seed. This might be the most evenly matched uh, thing that we've we've ever seen. Um, Banjo-Kazooie at the 8 versus Smash Brothers Melee at the 9. Yeah, the, these two really are neck and neck. I have no idea which way to go. Well, you know what? No, I, I know which way to go on this, but it is not an easy thing to say out loud. Like, I mean, you got Banjo-Kazooie, which you could argue is the pinnacle of platforming on, on the Nintendo 64. And, like, again... You, you say that out loud, I, I don't necessarily argue with the statement. I'm not even sure if I even want to. Like, even just saying it out loud, I'm like, hey, you know, this, that, that, yeah, that makes sense. God, I have great ideas. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you talk about N64 platformers, and I, I think people naturally go, rightfully so, to Mario 64. And Great game, yeah. Great game, and it does, again, talk about a, a game that deserves its accolades. That certainly does. But, uh, to me, that N64 error, and even going further ahead... Banjo-Kazooie, to me, is just a fantastic platformer. It's right when they started doing those collectathons where, you know, you had to collect all those notes and puzzle pieces and so many different collectibles, but they didn't overdo it yet. Um, one of the things we talked about before, you know, getting assembling this list was Donkey Kong 64, and I love the game, <laughs> but that was too far the other way in terms of collectibles. It was too much. Yeah, there's absolutely a limit to like how much stuff you can actually sit there and collect. Uh, but Banjo Kazooie like really f- probably found the the best balance you can really see. I mean, and yeah, you mentioned Mario sixty four with like the different like red and blue coins and all that jazz and the star pieces. Um, but then you want to talk about stuff to collect. I mean, then you got Smash Brothers Melee, which I, I first of all apparently like there like the Smash Brothers community is very divided on which Smash Brothers is the best. Um, there is a very large section of them that have not stopped playing melee since you know 2002 um or just where's it 04 god i can't remember that was 20 years ago fuck i don't like that yeah uh not not approving um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no melee really brought smash into like a whole new direction i mean first of all bring it to the gamecube like the graphics are obviously a lot better you know not not like the most important thing but it was it was a thing um but bringing like a whole bunch of new characters and just giving you the uh, some more responsive and fluid gameplay and some real you know some real depth that the 
Smash Brothers franchise like didn't really seem like it was going to have like it was kind of like the original Smash Bros on the N64 like which surprisingly didn't even make this list uh, Metacritic did not seem to really care for it very much um, you know you look at that and it was good it was very good I enjoyed the shit out of it I played the absolute shit out of it you know but it, it just like as a fighting game and, and granted we're not huge fighting game guys so you know grain of salt here but as a fighting game, it just it was it was a little choppy. It was a little simple. It was a little, you know, easy easy to figure out. And and for fighting games, that can be, that's not always the best thing. So, but 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 melee really took that in a whole new direction. Brought you like new people. You know, I mean, Marth and Roy for fuck's sake. Like those guys. I mean, I play with those guys like every time. So I, I think what melee did for the franchise is it, it kind of turned. It kind of turned Super Smash Brothers from a novelty type game to like a, a really heavy hitter franchise because the N64 uh, version was great fun and, you know, it, it was limited in the amount of characters and levels, rightfully so. I mean, it was an N64 game, but still plenty of fun. I, I mean, again, clunky controls and, and everything else emblematic of, you know, those particular games at the time. And then Melee came out and said, hold on. This is what it can be and should be. And they had great cast of characters, plenty of levels, awesome soundtrack. They had the trophies in there, which is another fun little thing to go. You know, they had adventure mode, classic mode, so many different ways of playing it. And really just set the tone of what really any fighting game can be. I mean, forget about, we don't talk about fighting games very often. If there's going to be one that I talk about, it's this one. I, I thought Melee was fantastic. It was. I mean, Melee was probably the game. Was the game that really made me think. Like, you know what? The next time a Smash Bros. game comes out, I'm getting it. You know, like I like that. That got me. That got me hooked. You know. And then when I when the Wii came out and had Brawl, I was like, yes, yes, I, I, this is good. Um, granted, they put the next one out on a system that no one bought, which we're not going to talk about on this podcast. Um, you know, we should actually probably just briefly address that. Um, the Wii U is missing from this podcast because even though it was weirdly shaped. Uh, I didn't buy one. Um, Dan didn't buy one, and I'm not sure that I ever actually saw one in real life. Nope that that is not a mistake. That there are no Wii U games on here. Uh, that is on purpose. Yeah, Nintendo completely and totally dropped the ball with the Wii U. Um, a rare miss, but a hell of a miss. Like that that was the Nikhil Harry of Nintendo consoles. Oh, not a, not a good combination. No, no. God, I got mad thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we 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 could move on from that one quick. <laughs> So yeah, Banjo Kazooie versus Melee. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, you're asking me as the platform guy. I lean Banjo Kazooie. If you want to convince me otherwise, I could be. See, it's funny because like I'm not even the fighting guy, but like I lean Melee just because like you know, like we said, like Melee is arguably the best Smash Brothers game. Um, you know, it it was before you ended up with like character and trophy bloat. Um, before you ended up with like a you know when it was reasonable to have beaten Melee you know, and completed at 100%. Uh, I mean, I guess, like, the other thing that comes down to, like, I just have, like, so many fond memories, like, you know, of our friend group, and also, you know, believe it or not, I have other friends, too. I don't Of us just... Uh, yeah, well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but I have so many fond memories of just, like, you know, throw, you know, throwing down the no items, three stock, everybody just fuck everybody, you know, and... <laughs> yeah, no, that, like so many nights of that, you know, like I, I got so much enjoyment out of melee. 
yeah, on, honestly, that's enough to, to flip it for me. I love the shit out of Banjo-Kazooie, but Banjo-Kazooie didn't have those moments. I did love the hell out of playing, you know, Melee against you and all my other friends. It's just, it, all my other ones, the other two. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yeah, we, we are, we are not, <laughs> we are not highly social people. <laughs> There's a reason we're doing a video game bracket. <laughs> it truly, truly. <laughs> yeah, all I, right, I think man. Melee deserves that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I would have felt fine with either one, but yeah, I feel good about Melee. I mean, it's going to get stomped next round anyway. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, up next, we got our 5 versus our 12 seed. The 5 seed being Twilight Princess, which honestly sounds low when I say it out loud. Um, But it's up against the 12 seed, which is a fun little surprising game for the N64 called Blast Core. Yeah, you know, I, I gotta say, I feel a little bad for Blast Core in this one because... I, this is kind of a sleeper game. I don't remember too many people t- ever talking about it when it was out. Like, even looking back at, like, posts talking about older games, I don't see it come up, but I thought it was a really fun game. It's one of those games that, like, every magazine, because, okay, kids, back in the day, they used to print video game <laughs> news and pictures and reviews on um, basically thin sheets of mutilated trees called paper. Uh and they would mail these to your house once a month for a nominal fee. So that's how you would you would you know you had names called like Nintendo Power, Electronic Gaming Monthly, Game Pro. They all talked about that game like it was super great. I remember playing it. Like I rented it. Yeah. The, oh, it, so you also used to be able to rent video games from a store. That was a whole other thing. <laughs> we'll get that in another, another podcast. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not even going down that road. <laughs> but. So, like, I remember I used to, re- I rented it a couple of times, and I was like, oh, this is fun. And I don't think I appreciated it at the time, probably because I was nine, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, like, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, it's fun, it's fun, it's fun. And then, I'm like, I'm, I'm reading up for this project and trying to, like, get the whole thing together, and I'm reading about Blast Court, I'm just going to these fond memories of just trying to get everything to not blow the fuck up. <laughs> Which was such a such a unique gameplay loop that you're like, oh, okay, that this is the opposite of what I usually do. Yep. For anyone who's not familiar, I mean, the whole point of the game of every level basically was there's a nuclear truck driving in a straight line, and you have to get to the end, and it can't stop, it can't turn, so you have to destroy everything in its path. So, so you get into different vehicles, you get into different trucks, some even like android robot things, and you just blow the shit out of every building in its path. <laughs> <laughs> oh man look if they made a new blast core for the switch or something i would uh i'd buy it oh i played the fuck out of that one god that would have been a great franchise yeah and who even made that game i don't know that's a good question that is a good question let's look it up because it's you know the internet yeah that's the good thing about the internet is everything's right there for you oh rare oh of course they did oh god so if we wanted to buy it now it would be on fucking well, it could be on PC. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. I, okay, all right, all right. Who do we petition for this? Mm, I think we just go right to Bill Gates, I think. All right. Well, no, no, he quit, remember? Oh, yeah, fuck. Ah, God damn it. All right, we'll come back to that later, because right now we're going to have to acknowledge that Twilight Princess is going to beat it anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> quite quite an unfortunate mat- matchup. I don't know who else... I, I don't know. Blastcore might have been able to beat some of the lower seeds uh just because i think you know in terms of that it's just really good there but uh, it really doesn't stand a chance against twilight princess I, bless bless core could have like you know anything below twilight princess i think could have had a reasonable shot but 
you know, I mean, Blastcore, yeah, that's a respectable showing. It, let's say it lost on a buzzer beater. Yeah, I, I think they're one of those uh, they're one of those teams that watch out for next year. You know, they uh, they they can make some noise. <laughs> yeah, but Twilight Princess. I mean, I really enjoyed this one. It was such a dark Zelda game, the type of thing that really we asked for for so many years on the GameCube. After seeing that one fucking demo before the GameCube actually came out, and you know exactly which one I'm talking about. The Space World demo. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> it's what I we mean, deserved. <laughs> It, we, yeah, it was exactly what we deserved. And yeah, Twilight Princess was pretty close to that. Um, just the combat was awesome. Turning into a wolf was kind of cool. You know, I mean, I, I yes, I get it. At the time, everybody was all about Twilight, but Twilight Princess was still cool. Yeah, and... Oh, uh, God, they called it Twilight. Oh, man. That makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and really, like, the timing of when it came out helps it more than anything. And, you know, on its own, it stands up. I love Twilight Princess. But like you mentioned, where... The game before that was Wind Waker, and we did lead that game off. I loved the hell out of it, uh, but the the cell shaded cartooniness really wasn't what people wanted. Again, especially because of that Space World demo. And you know, one of the things I like about Twilight Princess is it's kind of a darker game, darker story. Not just like for color, but just the just everything that kind of goes around it and. You know, that's one of the things that I like so much about Majora's Mask is that it's not all sunshine and happiness. It's, it's, there's, you know, some dark things happening as it should be. Yeah, there's some weird shit going on in that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really fucked up. And again, more specifically, the GameCube version for me. Um, I don't like the motion controls in the Wii version, but if you want to split hairs, they both deserve the same spot. Yeah, we're, we're, we're calling this one the GameCube version, though. Yep, 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 yep. All right, moving on. We get our uh, our number four seed, Super Mario Galaxy Two, versus uh, another, again another another bit of a sleeper here, uh, Rogue Squadron Two for the Game Boy for the GameCube, not the Game Boy. Dear God. Yeah, Mario Galaxy Two versus Rogue Squadron Two, Battle of the Sequels. Go. <laughs> this this is a, another very unfortunate matchup for me because I loved Rogue Squadron 2. I thought it took everything that Rogue Squadron 1 did and did it that much better. And it might still be one of my favorite Star Wars games of all time. It's up there with KOTOR to me. Um, I thought the graphics were great. I mean, I thought they um, the levels were fun. You could fly just about every ship that you could think of. X-Wing, B-Wing, Y-Wing, you know, Imperial um, uh, TIE Fighters and, and, and all those different things. It, it just... A blast of a game to play. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's going up against Mario Galaxy Two. Yeah, yeah, and that was another thing too. I mean, we we agonized over which Mario game to put on this list. We agonized over it. Like, I, you know, let me just really draw that agonize. Oh, so much agony. Because there was Mario Galaxy, uh, great game. There was Mario Sunshine, great game. There's Mario 64, which, you know, is basically the first 3D platformer, and uh, honestly, if Mario 64 showed up on this list, it'd still be like a top, it'd still be like a top five seed. Like, so, yeah, I mean, Mario Galaxy, just, just a hell of a game. Just really, really, like, one of the pinnacles of of platforming, especially on the way, you know, Rogue Squadron 2, though, I mean, like, that's, uh... That's a pretty fun game too. Like that's that's kind of the that's kind of the other thing too. Like I'm sitting here like I 
I want to sit here and be like, well, you know, it's just a Star Wars game. But no, that was one of the better Star Wars games. You're absolutely right. Like, save maybe K- the KOTOR and KOTOR 2. Yeah, it was just fantastic. Um, and, I, you know, they've never really quite gotten that back either. Because they did make another um, another Rogue Squadron game. And it just wasn't, it, it just didn't quite capture that same magic, I guess, that the, the, the number two had. Um, and then we're talking about Mario Galaxy 2, and even the other Mario games too. Um, like you mentioned, Mario 64 could very well be a top seed in this, and it, deservedly so. I, I think the one thing that I would say that separates you know Mario titles with Zelda titles is the Legend of Zelda titles deserve two on there, in my opinion, because they're generally different enough that they can kind of stand on their own in a way. Whereas the Mario games, it's, and I hate to say just another platformer, but that's kind of what it is. You know, like it's, but you know what I mean? Like it's. I can't believe you've done this. I've I've done this. I'm I'm trying to justify why we only have one Mario game on here. (laughs) I I like how you're basically throwing it down against yourself. Like that's, that's what, that's the best part of this for me. Listen, I I can make a straw man out of anyone. (laughs) Even myself. Even myself. But long story short, I think Mario Galaxy 2, of the Mario games that we've mentioned, is the better one, uh, and and therefore it deserves its spot as the four seed. It does, and honestly, it it, it kind of I hate to say it like this, but it crushes Rogue Squadron. It does. Yes, yeah, it does. It does. So you know, <laughs> it, it was a good it was a good fight though. It was, it, you know, Rogue Squadron definitely puts up the, uh, puts up some token resistance here, you know, it, but I mean, just how do you, how do you compete with, with Mario Galaxy 2? Like, you it, just a, a, as a game. You just don't. You don't. You, it, it, it's just not something you do. So we'll go ahead and we'll move that one forward here. And, uh, <laughs> all right, let's see now here. Oh god, head cap oh, oh Jesus! All right, a lot of a lot of chalk so far. The only upset's been melee over Banjo Kazooie, and I don't even know if you can call it that. That's no, a close upset. So this time we got our six seed, Resident Evil Four versus Xenoblade Chronicles. Probably a cr- a criminally underrated RPG, if I do say so myself, as the resident RPG guy between the two of us. But I mean. Resident Evil 4 is, like, one of the ones that even... Like, I don't even like Resident Evil games, and I played the hell out of that one. Yeah, I th- Resident Evil 4 was a, a much-needed reboot of the series, and it surprisingly, at the time, was a GameCube exclusive. Like, that was... For Nintendo to have any big third-party exclusive at any point in their lives is pretty big. And, and yeah, this I mean, is and, this is, and this was in the heyday of the PS2 and the Xbox, so, you know, I mean, this was back when none of the cool kids had a GameCube. It was only, you know... You go to other people's house and they'd be and you'd be like, "Oh, where's your GameCube?" And they'd be like, "We don't have one of those. Why would you have one of those? Those are for little babies." And you're like, "Well, not not like little babies." <laughs> <laughs> and and it's also funny to think that people also thought this was a um like a turning point for Nintendo where they'd start scooping up some big third party. No, this was the this is it. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo and scooping up third parties. <laughs> no, this is, this is where it stopped. This is where it started and ended. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, that, that that would be part of our stand-up act if we ever had one. Like, <laughs> Nintendo soaking up a bunch of third parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> that's never going to happen. 
Not a thing. Never will be. Never has been. <laughs> but even outside... I mean, maybe back in the Super Nintendo game days, but that's yeah, about that, it. that was their last chance to really do it. But even uh, outside of just the, like the novelty of Resident Evil Four, I I thought it was one of the best entries in the Resident Evil series. Um, for, at least for a while, I think. I don't know if you've played Seven or or Village, um, but I thought those were both pretty good ones too. And and you know, talk about reinventing the series. They changed that again too. Um, but Resident Evil Four for the longest time I thought was the best. I can't. Yeah, I can't. I can't really argue with that. I'm not a huge Resident Evil guy, but like I said, I did play the heck out of Four. Probably played it at your house plenty of times, honestly. And yeah, Xenoblade, uh, one of the few like good RPGs on the on a Nintendo system after the Super Nintendo. Um, which I mean, look, I can go on and on about how much I it bothers me that Nintendo just straight up gave up on that genre by you know deciding to do anything but use optimal storage solutions for their games. Um, yeah, I could spend an entire podcast on that. Don't don't make me do it. I'll write that down, idea. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I like Xenoblade. It's a good game. It you know it it, it really has its moments. Uh, I cannot put it over. I, I cannot in good conscience put it over Resident Evil Four. Yeah, it, it it was lucky to make the dance. I think it deserved to make it. But um, yeah, that's about as far as it's gonna go. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, much respect. Good job. But uh, <laughs> we're we're all set here. <laughs> All right, moving on to uh, the next one. We got number three. I, first of all, I still cannot believe this is a three seed Metroid Prime. Like, <laughs> yeah, three three is a underachievement for this one. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, our last bracket ended with Super Metroid taking home all the bacon. So, you know, oh man, bacon. So we got Metroid Prime up against the fourteen seed Wii Sports which we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. And, um, you know, Dan, I'm just going to say it. That's the last time we're talking about Wii Sports on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, for any of those people who thought we might have a Cinderella story, it's not going to be in this matchup. <laughs> no, Metroid Prime just absolutely butt stumps. There's just... Uh, it, <laughs> we'll, we'll save we'll save that breakdown for a later matchup because it's not even worth it. Yeah, that's that's not even... That was never even close. That was after the, done after, like, the first ten minutes. <laughs> Oh, man. God, this is fun. We should do more of these. We should do a candy bracket next year. Ooh, I love candy. Anyway, moving on. We got the number seven seed, Beautiful Joe for the GameCube. Another another underrated game. Uh, and that's up against uh, yet another underrated game. A lot of these games are underrated, if, even though they're, you know, obviously critical darlings. So, you know, we're, we're not good at the whole rating thing, clearly. No, they're underrated to us, damn it. Yep. Uh, our opinions are better. But always has been. We got Beautiful Joe versus Eternal Darkness. And I don't even know which way to go on this. Like, I definitely played Eternal Darkness more. Because that, that was a mindfuck. And my, my additional lean... My additional... My initial leaning is I, I think Eternal Darkness is probably the better of those two. It's close, though, because I thought Beautiful Joe, um, at the time when it came out kind of reminded everyone that you could still have a a good 2D platformer in a 3D world because I again maybe it's just in my mind's eye but after Mario 64 every big platformer was that 3D behind the back camera and you know collectathons and going to different levels and all this stuff and they were great but I felt at some point 
people lost their way and, and thought you can never have another side scroller, but beautiful Joe came in and said, Nope, you can. And it can be great. And I loved beautiful Joe. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, it was a hell of a game. It was a fun game. It was visually it was stunning. Like that was just one of those ones where they really made like cell shaded stuff work, which I'm going to be honest with you here. Not everybody on the GameCube could do, you know, I mean, we talked about like wind waker kind of fucked with the whole thing with the cell shading. Like, that took away from the atmosphere, but Beautiful Joe, like, just nailed it down. Like, that, it really, really brought, like, the whole thing to life. It was like playing a comic book. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, it was, they, they nailed that part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, again, like, I have a lot of, you know, admiration, respect, and appreciation for, um, for Beautiful Joe, but yeah, I kind of lean towards Eternal Darkness on this one. Like, there's just a lot more replay, a lot more it's a lot more cerebral. Like you really had to think about what you were doing because otherwise, you know, you'd end up going insane. <laughs> I don't know if a game has really captured that as well as Eternal Darkness has, and maybe just because it was the first of their kind. But they like some of the things they would do. Like your sanity meter wasn't just oh you'll see more monsters or you'll take more damage. It was you'll walk into a room. And all of a sudden, you get a message on your screen that says your memory card is corrupt and you can't save the file. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, or like your controller was unplugged and here comes all these monsters. Like, it it really fucked with you in your head. And, you know, it was like a real <laughs> a, a real impediment to, to, you know, fighting against that sanity. So, like, you had not just your health to worry about, but also staying sane. God, remember the one where it would, it would like, put up, like, the volume menu on your screen and just like drop it all the way to zero oh, like, yeah. <laughs> and it looked like it was like one of those like old like 90s tv ones yep. too so if you were playing on certain tees you'd be like fuck <laughs> yeah the, the, the like the worst thing you ever could have done with that game is read up about it beforehand because once everything's spoiled like it's it's still like pretty good but you know it's coming but the first couple times that that happened oof i mean it, it really fucks with your head <laughs> yeah eternal darkness you know with no prior knowledge great game eternal darkness where you know it's coming Mm, yeah yeah i think I, I think we gotta get this one to eternal darkness but yeah that that's a tough one yeah great great game i think it deserves it yeah and uh all right so we got our we got our other uh our other tough matchup here we got our number two seed perfect dark um surprising that one's that high but you know great game and that is going up against diddy kong racing surprising that it's that low I, I honestly like I I had to fudge a little bit to get Diddy Kong Racing that high, like I don't know what the people at Metacritic are smoking, but it's not the stuff that makes you appreciate Diddy Kong Racing. I'll tell you that. The only thing I'll say that is good is that Mario Kart wasn't on the list because, hands down, Diddy Kong Racing is the best kart racing game of that era. It absolutely is. Now, did I have the most fun playing Mario Kart 64? Yes, because that was an N64 game at a time when I was in high school and college, and thus you know, played a lot of games for either fast food or mm -hmm. drinks or both. Good enough reason. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, Perfect Dark, I mean, so I feel like the other thing we need to explain here is, yes, we left Goldeneye off this list. Um, and basically because, honestly, Perfect Dark is just Goldeneye 2, and it's better in every way. So, sorry, but that's the way it is. Also, this was like a rare title from the mid-90s, so I re or the late two. No, excuse me. This was a rare title from the early 2000s, so, I mean, that's pretty much untouchable in terms of quality. Yeah, and, and GoldenEye 
great game and one of the few licensed games that were awesome. But um, I'm sorry, Perfect Dark did everything better that GoldenEye did. Yeah, yeah, absolute truth. So, oh man, I mean, and and here's the thing: like, I we we had so much fun with Diddy Kong Racing. Like, that was a great game. It was an underrated kart racer, and really, they should have done more of it. Um, but Rare had to go and be bought up by Microsoft. Mm, stupid idiots. Yeah. Don't like that. Assholes. Yep. Ruined such a great relationship. Ah, oh, could have been great. Honestly, like, worst studio to leave Nintendo's umbrella since Square. I remember even being, like, a little too young to care or understand about all that shit and still thinking, like, what is Nintendo doing? <laughs> <laughs> and, it, you know, the funny thing is, is Rare did absolutely nothing of, of value since then, except, like, until eventually they, they hit Sea of Thieves. Like, which, I, you know, we've played a bit, and... I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm not even going to say that it's not good. It's just... I, I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me, but... that that That's probably just more with me being an old coot at this point. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're All right. right though. Yeah. So I mean, Perfect Dark between... B- b- yeah. Perfect Dark against Diddy Kong Racing, though. What are we... What are, where are we landing on this one? Uh, see, this one's unfair, because I want to put, put Diddy Kong Racing so much further. Um, I loved everything about Diddy Kong Racing, but I... I love everything about Perfect Dark too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. I mean, if we, if we, what tipped the scales for me in Melee is I had a lot of fun with my friends, and Perfect Dark, I, I had more fun with my brother and my friends playing this game than I did with Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah, I mean, they were both they were both great party games, honestly. Um, but you know, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and say it. The battle mode in Diddy Kong Racing was the one thing that I was like, you know what? I'd rather go play Mario Kart for this. Yeah, the battle mode in Diddy Kong Racing was not great. It just didn't. It just didn't quite hit. No, like, I, I don't know how else to describe it. So, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and put Perfect Dark here, but a real, a real spirited showing by Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah, per- Perfect Dark really escaped with its life on that one. Absolutely did. All right, let's get on to the. Uh, this will be the second round of the tournament here. All right, we got the number one overall seed, Ocarina of Time versus Smash Brothers Melee. I mean, do we even want to talk about this matchup? Because I think we both know what's going to happen here. Ocarina stomps. Melee, great game, but it's not a Zelda game. No, so. sorry. There you go, guys. You have really seen into our entire process here. <laughs> yep, that's how the... That's step how the... one, is it a Zelda game? Step two, <laughs> there is no step two. That's how the sausage is made. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, sausage. Mm. All right, here you go. <laughs> Putting that one to the test, though. Twilight Princess, the number five seed, versus the four seed, Mario Galaxy 2. So it's not a stomp fest. No, this is not. But I think between those two, I lean Twilight Princess again. I, I'm sorry. If you're leaning Twilight Princess, I certainly can't make an argument for Galaxy 2, so we're just going to go ahead and put that one through. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that gives us the 1-5 matchup we really wanted. <laughs> right. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, Dan, Dan here is the platform guy. If he can't make that argument, then I'm not going to bother. <laughs> no, sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. This this bracket is very chalky so far. Um, next one, we got number 6, Resident Evil 4 versus number 3, Metroid Prime. <laughs> I I wish I could pick an upset here. I think Resident Evil 4 might be closer than some other games could get with it, if you know what I mean. Resident Evil 4 is not undeserving of a 6 seed. Like it it is a good game and it and it it beat a respectable game in Xenoblade to get here, but it is not on the level of Metroid Prime. No. 
and if if like you even look at some of the other matchups, I think it probably could have beaten Mario Galaxy too. I it could have maybe it listed it stood a chance, but I don't think it like does anything against Metroid Prime. Yeah, Metroid Prime was was like I mean we'll we'll talk about it more in the next matchup. All right, here we go. Th- this is apparently the dark side of the bracket because it's Eternal Darkness at the ten versus Perfect Dark at the two. I dare I say a two seed goes down. I, I mean, I love, love, love Perfect Dark, but I really love Eternal Darkness. Eternal Darkness was just so unique. Like, you know, I mean, first person shooters are a dime a dozen. You know, I, I think really like all of us in that grew up in that age, like everybody has a franchise that's their favorite. Like some people like Halo, some people like GoldenEye and Perfect Dark, some people like Doom. I, that's me. I'm that guy. I fucking love Doom. I will play that game till the fucking day I die. I just, the whole idea of chainsaws and grenades and shooting the fuck out of some demons, love it. Sometimes you need that. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I Perfect Dark just doesn't, like, I have I have many fond memories, and it was, it was a great game, but, like, would I fire up Perfect Dark today? No. Would I wait till my daughter's, like, 13 and then show her Eternal Darkness and watch her, you know, freak the hell out? Yes, absolutely. It, it's such a unique horror story game because it's it's not like Resident Evil 1 and 2 where it's, I don't want to say jump scary, but it it, it has its it moments. Is. It yeah. is. Eternal, Eternal Darkness doesn't have jump scares, but like the setting, the different stories they tell, like the, just like the overall, and you'd have to play it, but like the overall atmosphere and magnitude of what's happening in the universe at the time, it's just so... It's dark. It's it's scary. It's just it. They do a lot with what they have. They really do. And you know, I'll go so far as to say that you know, when it comes to scary games, uh, Eternal Darkness walked so that Amnesia could run. <laughs> well said. Well said. So I... we'll give we'll give we'll give Eternal Darkness the upset there, because um, spoiler alert, it ain't it ain't upsetting the next no, game. No, no, it no. goes up against it. <laughs> it got as far All as right. it's gonna. <laughs> we got our our semifinals here for this bracket. We got. This is this is the brawl. This is the big dog versus the big dog. Ocarina of Time versus Twilight Princess. Yeah, th- this this is the matchup that everyone had circled and couldn't wait for. Um, I I think we know how it lands. I mean, based on historical precedent here, there is no way this ends with anything but Ocarina of Time. However. I mean, you want to talk about games that revolutionized the Zelda combat? Because here's the thing. This is what always gets me with Zelda games. The combat is the most important thing. Because there's always going to be puzzles. There's always going to be adventures. There's going to be quests. There's going to be dungeons. What really matters is, does it feel like you are the hero of time, wielding the sword of evil's bane, the master sword itself, against the forces of darkness? Does it capture that feeling of being you know, the best swordsman in all the land and nailing that down. And Ocarina of Time does it. Twilight Princess did it even better, honestly. But, like, that... Like, when you talk about, like, having, like, that fully formed world, too... And and the other thing, when it comes to Ocarina of Time, and this is why I end up with Ocarina of Time, Ocarina really created the 3D adventure world out of whole cloth. There was never a game like that before. And, yeah, there have been plenty of games like it since, but there was so much to do. 
like you want to talk about collectibles you know you talk about the pieces of heart and skull the golden sculptures and you know you still had like three kid dungeons and six adult dungeons plus you know you had to get through the final thing with ganon and yeah by the way i'm not making any spoilers there i mean we all know ganon's the war the bad guy if you haven't figured that out then by all means please go check out with your doctor because you just got out of a coma yeah that's your problem and it, yeah Go ahead. I, I, I can't disagree with anything you can say there. And I, I think both of these games at their time brought the Zelda franchise like a, to another level. Um, I mean, again, you talk about like the first 3D adventure game, really, especially in the in the Zelda franchise. Um, this Ocarina of Time set a high watermark and I not many of them, you know, ever came close. But what did come close is Twilight Princess, because, you know, if you look at the games in between it, Majora's Mask and Twilight and uh, uh, Wind Waker, both, I think, awesome games in their own right. I know you're not as into Wind Waker, but I think Twilight Princess t- said, I see your formula and I raise you this. And it's really what helped the franchise go because it, not that it was getting stale or that it needed to be shaken up necessarily, but it, it got, it, it, it took everything that Ocarina of Time did and, and improved a little bit. Um, and I know it makes it seem like I'm making the case for Twilight Princess. I still go Ocarina of Time. I, I think with Ocarina of Time, it's just like the the pioneering. I mean, like I can sit here and tell you about spending like entire like an entire break from school just trying to nail down the horse archery till I could just bullseye every target on that fucking run with my eyes closed because like I had just gotten just nailed down the timing and the, and the everything else. Like I have never been compelled to be good at a, at a game like I have with Ocarina of Time. Completely agree. All right. So we'll, we'll move that one ahead, but you know, again, a great showing by Twilight Princess. Cause that was a fucking great game. Too. Absolutely. Uh, Metroid prime versus eternal darkness. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is where eternal darkness is run. Uh, it's over. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> great game for all the reasons we said previously, but Metroid Prime just it. It's a better game. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing, and we're you want to talk about pioneering things, and like this is where we when we end up with Ocarina of Time versus Metroid Prime, you know, I obviously everything we just said about Ocarina of Time still applies. Metroid Prime really brought the Metroid series, a, game, a series that we kind of all thought was dead. Like, let's not forget this, because there were rumors of a Metroid 64 at some point, but, you know, guess how many screenshots we ever saw of it? Exactly zero. You know, and the Metroid franchise in general, I mean, like, look, you go to Reddit, you'll, find, you'll just find everybody complaining about how we never get the games anymore. But... Prime brought it in an entirely different new, in, in an entirely different and new direction. You know, it took the time to turn it into a workable 3D first-person adventure. And like the toughest thing when you talk about first-person shooters, you know, when you talk about games like that, what the in 3D in 3D the hardest thing is always the jumping. Like, how the hell do you manage that? And how do you manage that in a game like a Metroid game that is so precise? Like, that has to feel responsive as fuck. And they were doing it on the GameCube, which I, I don't know if you remember, very weirdly shaped controller. <laughs> yeah, it didn't lend itself to first-person shooters. No, it did not. Oh, my God. Like, 
sometimes I, th- I still have nightmares about that GameCube controller, <laughs> but, you know, Metroid Prime worked, and it it had just, like, like the story was there, like, you, ha- you had, like, all these zones to explore, the music was fucking fantastic, like, we, we leave that out of some of these games, like, and realistically, that's the only knocking it's Ocarina of Time, is that it doesn't actually have the, the Zelda theme. Yeah, so it's like the one Zelda title that didn't have it, and, and it right. could have used it. Um, it could have, like, you know, Hyrule Field even, but... <laughs> but just to, you know, to talk about Metroid Prime, it it, it sort of, it basically did what Ocarina of Time did, is that it took its franchise and, and put it into a 3D world, and it's easy to look back now and say how successful it was, and, and you know, we've gotten Prime 2 and 3, and, and we keep saying we're going to get Prime 4, but we'll see. Um, it was a much more controversial decision at the time because people oh wanted people wanted, you know, <laughs> Super Metroid in on Nintendo 64. They wanted it to stay um, you know, in that that style of game. And certainly, who could blame them? I mean, we've even recently got Metroid Dread, which showed us what a good um Metroid 2D adventure game could look like. But Prime kind of reinvented obviously the series, but kind of got you to look at a first-person shooter a different way, too. Because it wasn't just going to be, like, you know, run around, shoot everyone, and that's, like, all you do. But there were puzzles. There was jumping, which didn't always work out, but they had it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's it just, like, such a, a, a unique take on a first-person shooter and also a, a Metroid game. And really just the marriage of the two makes it what it is. You know what the other cool thing was, too, is I really appreciated the in Metroid Prime the scan visor. Like, going around, scanning stuff, keeping your eye out for different things, and also like getting like some background and some lore stuff. You know, I mean, that was... This is when, like, games were just starting to realize that, like, you know, the whole lore piece could, was something you could make money off of, too. Um, I, thought, I thought that was pretty cool, especially, like, a series like Metroid, where you didn't really get a whole lot of that beforehand, except unless you read the instruction manual. Yeah, they did a great job of building out the world around them. They did. Wait, do we have to explain to the kids what an instruction manual is, too? Oh, or? Jesus. We might have I'm to. Not getting, I'm not going down that road. I no. mean, I, God, as much as I want to say Metroid Prime is the best game in this in this group, I mean, it, it is Ocarina of Time, right? Like, we, 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 we don't actually have room for anything else. No, I, I, they, they both deserve to be where they are, and I think, ultimately, Ocarina of Time edges it out. Oh, there we have it, folks. That is the that is the weirdly shaped bracket. So, Ocarina of Time will head to the final four. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it will face off against Super Metroid, which will be a hell of a matchup, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Yep, but uh, at least for now, uh, that's that's about all we could say about the the N sixty four GameCube Wii and well, we didn't say anything about the Wii U, and we're not going to. Nope, that can go fuck itself. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And that that is uh that is about the end of this podcast, so <laughs> I'm Donnie. And I'm Danny. And this has been a Mega Bros podcast. <laughs>